Hello, everyone, and welcome to Talking Logistics, where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain logistics industry. It's my great pleasure to welcome today's program, Andrew Lockwood, who is Senior Manager, Analytics and Solution Design at Kenko Group. And today we're going to talk about the great transportation spot market inversion of 2018. Now, you know, a lot of shippers find themselves in a very difficult and costly situation uh, today. Uh, you know, their routing, their routing guides are broken, and they're having to reach out to the spot market more often than not to, you know, have their loads covered, uh, which is really, uh, you know, causing them to pay more than what they had budgeted for uh, for this year. So, the, you know, the, the transportation, you know, the spot market uh, inversion has occurred. But what does that mean for shippers? You know, what action should they, you know, take in response? And then what, what should they do, you know, longer term uh, to better prepare themselves for whatever market conditions lie ahead? Well, those are some of the questions we're going to tackle in today's conversation. It's great to have Andrew on the program with us to share his insights and advice on this topic. So, Andrew, welcome to the program. Well, thanks for having me, uh, Adrian. This is an honor to be on here. Uh, you know, first-time caller, long-time listener, so to speak. And, um, it, you know, you've done such a good job just in terms of education for the industry. I know I've learned a lot through your website, through email blast, and uh, it's, it's a blast to be here. Well, great, great, Andrew. I appreciate the, uh, the, the kind words there and, and, and feedback. And, and like you said, your first time, uh, you know, guest here on, on Talking Logistics, we, we've had, you know, many of your colleagues on the program, you know, throughout the, the past uh, few years. But uh, like I always like to do whenever we bring someone new onto the program, I, I like to find, you know, real br briefly how, how and why they got involved with supply chain logistics to begin with. So before we dive into this whole topic and figure and you know, understand what, what does this spot inver market inversion means. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your career path, how and why you got involved with supply chain logistics and what your current role and responsibilities are there at Kenko? Sure. I've been with Kenko for about five years now. I started as a project manager on uh, one of our dedicated accounts and uh, just uh, as opportunity would have it, ended up in our transportation group and uh, specifically doing solution design pricing. Uh, I get the opportunity to wear a lot of different hats, which I enjoy. And so uh, this, this blog post uh, that, about the spot market inversion was really just a, an output of what we've seen from uh, just from a general day-to-day -day standpoint, as well as when you look at the, the economic conditions as well. So uh, Adrian, I'm, I'm just glad to be able to share that info uh, with, with really all parties because it's, uh, it's interesting. Yeah, no, great. And great role there at, at you know, I can't go now. You know, I noticed you have your bike in, in the background, so, so I felt obliged to bring my bike out in, into the background as well. You, you and I follow each other on, on uh, Strava. I, I know you're big into cycling and, and I think triathlons as well, right? And, and I'm, in, I'm big with, uh, into cycling as well, so we're, we're kind of kindred spirits there on, on the cycling front. That's right. But my best ideas happen when I'm on the bike, or at least that's what I, that's what I like to think. So. Yeah, well, absolutely. You know, when, you, when you're spending, you know, three, four, five, six hours on a bike, uh, you know, you've got plenty of time uh, to, to give some, some great thought. And of course, there's a lot to think about when it comes to supply chain and logistics. So let, let's go right into this topic now. Um, you know, like you mentioned, you know, last month you wrote this blog post that, that was titled The Great Transportation Spot Market Inversion of 2018, which you know, it's a great title. It immediately caught my attention because my first question was, you know, what does that mean, you know, exactly? So that's my first question. You know, what does that mean? And, and you know, what, what factors are behind it? Sure. So technically speaking, one of the, one of the metrics we look at is uh, it, it, on a monthly basis are the rates that brokers are paying to carriers and the rates that shippers are paying to carriers. So one of the big uh, information sources within the industry is, uh, is DAT, that, 
Um, and so we'll look at their board month to month, and it's a really kind of a good proxy for how the economy is doing, the health of the overall, overall transportation market. And so what we saw in the last part of, of 2017 were the two lines were, were trending very closely to one another, and in, in, in January, they actually inverted. So what happened is spot, spot rates actually went higher than, uh, than contract rates, so the rates that shippers can pay to carriers directly. And so I think it's a good point to define what is dedicated, what is this contract rate. So keep in mind, these are the rates paid directly to the carrier. Um, the broker, the carrier rate, doesn't include their margin. And so there's all kinds of different situations. And remember, these, this is just aggregate data month to month. But what's so wild is that we haven't seen this trend at least in a very long time, at least as long as I've been in the industry. So for the first time in January, shippers really had better buying power going to carriers directly and negotiating longer term rates than they did through brokers. Now, does that mean that brokerage doesn't have a place? Absolutely not. I think it all depends on who your identity is as a shipper, what your goals are. And conversely, as a carrier, how you respond to this market too is going to be interesting. You know, do you learn some of the lessons of, you know, the, the last recession coming out of tw you know, 2008 um, or do you get really aggressive in this market? And we can unpack all of that. Yeah, no, definitely. I want to go into some of those, uh, you know, questions you just asked there, but, but what's behind, you know, what do you think is behind, you know, that, that inversion? What, what are some of the factors that, that uh, you think caused that to happen? Well, that's the keyword factors. Cause there's not really one simple answer to this question. Um, there, there are things that we've known about for a long time. For example, the driver shortage and everyone's heard ad nauseum about this. It, you know, right now it's at 50 K and projected to, to grow to, to whatever here in five or 10 years. Um, there's the ELD mandate that actually coming up here uh, later this week is now going to be fully enforceable. So right now enforcement can pull a driver over and detain a driver, but they can't find the driver yet. Um, just from some survey work we've been involved with, we believe that's going to have just maybe a marginal impact to the overall supply um, of the carrier base across the U S but there's other things at work here too. You know, you, you look at the utilization there was a blog post uh, by FTR where they reported in February is 97% uh, truck utilization. So what does that mean? That means 97 of the available 100 trucks are being used. In February, as Adrian, as you know, is, is relatively, it's supposed to be a slow period of the shipping industry. Not so much. Um, there was, after we saw this spot inversion in January, technically it shifted back in February. But what I would caution is I think the ramifications of this are going to be uh, to the short and intermediate term here before autonomous vehicles hit the road because you still have only so much supply. It's not like we're adding, you know, 5,000 trucks to the road every day. Um, there's so many factors that, that go into why supply is so constrained. Work-life balance, it's really tough to recruit drivers. As anybody that's watching this recruits drivers knows, uh, there are companies that are literally paying forty, fifty thousand dollars sign-on bonuses for team drivers uh, just to overpay to get that talent. That's what you have to do now. So, you know, I know we've hit a lot of different areas there, but it's really this confluence of all these factors coming together. And then we haven't even talked about the demand side of the equation. Shippers are just continuing to ship, um, which is really an output of our robust economy. 
Uh, most that follow the GDP are saying that we're going to be between a 2 and 3% quarter-over-quarter growth rate for probably the next year and a half at least. Now, that can always change, um, but our the shipments on the road, the demand is really an output of a, a very healthy economy that we live in, which is great. Um, it's just putting a lot of pressure on the industry, and that's why you see the prices start to escalate uh, to the rate that they have here in the past few months. Yeah, and no, I think you, you hit on, on some of the key things that, that, that I see and hear a lot about, you, you know, as well. I mean, at, at the end of the day, you know, uh, many factors on the demand side that are creating, you know, demand for, for capacity and, uh, you know, many factors on the supply side that are keeping it constrained or, or kind of keeping, you know, uh, creating this delta between supply and demand. And, and, and as a result, you're kind of seeing, the, you know, rising in, rise in rates, not only the, the contracted ones, but also, you know, the, the, the spot market as well. Um, so, so what, what should shippers make out of all of this? I mean, what, um, you know, how should they interpret this and, and respond to this inversion? Yeah, it, I mean, it's a great question. And I think, again, it goes back to your, to your, your business, who you are, who your core identity is, and, and who you want to be in the future, as well as just all the internal influences there. Um, does, you know, in my blog post, I really try to set the stage for making the case for dedicated transportation. Now, it doesn't fit every business model. Let's just assume you're a shipper and you've got all these one-off lanes. The origins and destination points are never really consistently the same. And in that scenario, you know, going through a broker or a transportation management provider, 3PL, 4PL type model, that probably helps you get to where you want to be in the, in the long run to try to keep cost and control. Um, but my point is most businesses, you know, barring a huge profile shift, have consistency in terms of volume and you can you can see patterns you can see um you know kind of an industry term the match back matching the head haul with a back haul or creating a freight triangle and that's where i think we're starting to get smarter and realizing wow there's there's all this opportunity if we package this together and we can and we can set the appointment and delivery times to match all of it together there's really a lot of savings there um, from a dedicated standpoint so Again, great question. What, you know, what does this mean for shippers? I would say, one, identify who you want to work with. Um, what, Adrian, one thing I love about this industry is really about relationships. That's what attracted me to it is the ability to serve and provide value for others. Uh, and I think it's a really good time, point in time for shippers to say, what carriers do we get high quality with? Who treats us right? Um, where do we get both quality and cost at the same time? And so I would say pursue those relationships. If you want to lock in, now's a really good time. Um, think of it almost like your, your mortgage rates. You know, interest rates were so low for a long time. If you wanted to refinance, you know, that was the time to do it before rates continue to go up. The other, the other thing to look at, I think, is internally. If you want to be able to budget an estimate um, without the fear of rising rates, because I'm, you know, I don't want to throw out predictions, but I'm here to say like the trends will continue to be prevalent in the next few years. Then if you want to make your life easier budgeting, lock into some type of relationship there. The, the last piece is how do you treat carriers at your docks? Um, what's interesting is all these websites popping up. Doc 411 is one of them where there it's visual management for the outside. So carriers going in know that, oh, wow, I have a three hour wait time. Uh, at this dock. And, and so 
from an outside perspective looking in, is your freight favorable to carriers or are they getting tied up at your docks? And, and from, from a carrier sense, it's not really attractive because they're going to be sitting there for so long. Yeah, no, that, the last point kind of bring, brings up, you know, a topic that people always love to talk about when things, you know, when we find ourselves in this environment is, you know, how do you make yourself, you know, a shipper of choice, right? Or a preferred, you know, shipper in the, in the eyes of carriers. Uh, I think the point that you brought up in terms of, of locking in or, or kind of engaging with those carriers that you've got good trusted relationship with, experience with, and, and kind of revisiting the routing guide, if you will, you know, kind of engaging in a, in a procurement engagement, I think is what I see, I see, you know, more and more shippers to do to kind of, um, you know, bring their routing guide back to alignment, if you will, with, with the current market conditions. Because I think what, what's happening um, a lot of times is that, you know, the reason that a lot of shippers are finding that going to, you know, the second, third, fourth carrier or have to go into the spot market is that, you know, the, the rates that they have are over a year old or, and they're no longer reflective of, of the current market environment. So I think to your point, I think I'm seeing more and more shippers trying to say, Hey, you know, we need to work, you know, we, you know, re-engage with our, uh, you know, particularly those strategic carriers and those we have a good relationship with to uh, kind of realign, you know, our networks and realign our, our, you know, our arrangement there. You know, the dedicated piece is interesting because that, that one always is, uh, you know, something that uh, I've seen, uh, more and more shippers throughout the years start thinking more intelligently about it and more strategically about it is to say, Hey, where, you, you know, where can we, you know, put in, you know, dedicated capacity, you know, where it makes sense. And I think that's where, you know, relative to your title, right. We're doing some, by looking at, at your lanes and understanding your network, you know, being able to uncover those opportunities. Right. Yeah. And I, I, from the onset, I think most shippers will look at that blog post and they say, well, I'm not sure I want to be locked into a, you know, quote unquote, dedicated relationship. And again, it kind of goes back to the definition of contract rates. Um, to me, there's, there's kind of within industry, there are different definitions of dedicated. There's, I've, I've got a fleet, I'm going to commit capacity to you as the shipper. But if there's no contract term to that, then it's really kind of a, you know, you get the first pass on my trucks when they're available. Um, to me, dedicated is really sitting down with, you know, both carrier and shipper and saying, okay, let's, let's put a three-year or whatever that contract term is out there. And, and within that agreement, I'm going to give you X number of trucks, X number of trailers and, and drivers dedicated to your business. And I think the oftentimes from a shipper's perspective, there's a little bit of a hesitation to do that because you worry about, okay, am I going to get high utilization with these drivers? Am I going to lock myself into something that I wish I had gone to the spot market because it was going to be cheaper. And in almost every time when I look at this, Adrian, especially with our, uh, with our different customer files, it almost always skews out where you get the, both the cost and the quality element in, in the end with dedicated. Uh, just like you said, let's just say you have a routing guide. You issue your RFP once a year. It's a big lane rate RFP. By the end of the year, you may be on your fourth, fifth, sixth choice, and, and your hair is on fire because you're not meeting any of your, you know, on-time shipment and full metrics. So it's something, it's an, it's a long game mindset that, that I think more and more people are starting to come around to. Yeah. Well, that, you mentioned on-time and full LTIF, which is something that, you know, uh, in the past few you know months, whenever I've, I've talked to shippers or I've attended conferences, that's a, that's top of mind for a lot of, you know, shippers out there, particularly those that work with the big, uh, you know, retailers that have really, uh, you know, put some aggressive metrics around uh, on time and full. 
Um, so, I, so I think that the, the scales are starting to tip because I think that that quality side of the equation for more progressive shippers is becoming, you know, as important, if not more important than, than the cost side. Um, you know, cost is always, cost management is always going to be important. Um, but I think a lot of shippers in, in this constrained environment say, you know what, we're willing to pay more perhaps, but, you know, have that high quality, uh, you know, service and, and be able to meet the more aggressive uh, service expectations of, of our customers. And I think that's another factor that's kind of, you know, you know, driving uh, all of this. So a, a lot of great, you know, uh, recommendations there, but, but let's, let's flip it around a, a little bit. And, you know, what's the biggest mistake perhaps that a shipper can make in this environment? Oh, such a good question. <laughs> I'm so glad you asked. The biggest mistake uh, a shipper can, can make here is, is really ignoring it. It's just, is saying that now, you know, the market is cyclical and it is, by the way, uh, but ignoring that rates are going to continue to increase and that the good old lane rate RFP is, it's been our bread and butter for 20 years and that's what we're going to keep doing. And, and my challenge there to, to those shippers is to say, hey, look, take a, take a different pragmatic look at your business. Um, transportation, again, it's an output of, of volume. Volume always precedes pricing pressures. And if you believe that the American economy is going to continue to grow at the rate that it's been, then you can't ignore this. You just have to adapt to the circumstance. So, you know, to me, and, and I know that's a blanket statement, just don't ignore it, right? Just look into the data, um, take a pragmatic look at your business and see where you can find these relationships to, to balance the cost versus quality equation. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, uh, not ignoring it is, uh, it, it sounds simple, right? But I think there's there's this tendency to say, "Hey, we could probably ride this out, or maybe it's not going to be as long a lasting as as you know maybe some others might think." But you know, the reality is that um, you know the warning signs have been here since at least you know last summer. Right. And as you talked about earlier, there's so many different you know uh, signs pointing that you know the the the, the trends are going to continue. Uh, you know, in the direction that, that, that we continue to head in, which is, you know, tighter capacity and, and pressure on, on rates and so forth. Um, I mean, what, what about carriers, though? I mean, what, what, you know, how should they respond to this? You know, what action should they take? Uh, what, you know, what should they, their response be? Yeah, another great question, because it really comes down to what, what are your goals as a carrier? Um, let's just use a lesson from history here. Go back 10 years. You saw so many carriers go belly up at, during the recession, at the end of the recession, because they got overextended with assets. Um, they were overly aggressive on the spot market. And so, you know, when you, when you don't have drivers to, to, to fill those trucks, they become lawn ornaments. And then all of a sudden you've got more expensive, you've got revenue coming in. It's no good. Um, I think is it, if I were managing a carrier base here, here's what I would be looking at is who do I like doing business with? Who makes my life easy? Um, am I getting detained at this dock all the time? Because there's really not an ROI uh, when you're just collecting uh, detention fees. So there's that piece of the equation. Um, to me, it, it's almost like a stock portfolio. You want good returns for, for a longer period of time, or do you want to try to take advantage of the spot market and, and live with the risk and volatility? And I think that's a question that each carrier has to internally recognize first, and then that that um, precludes how they go to the market in, in their relationships with shippers. So, you know, as part, here at Kenco, I think we love the long-term relationships. Again, I, I go back, I say relationships because that's what 
really attracted me to the business um, is people do business with people. And so we want it to work for both parties. And, and that's always been my, uh, my lens to the, to the logistics world. But, but yeah, I, I, I would just caution carriers that get overly aggressive in this market because eventually we know change is going to happen. Um, autonomous vehicles, you know, in, in my head, they're probably three to five years away. I, I don't see that technology as ready as, as perhaps in the airline industry. Um, but once it comes, it's going to be a transformational change. So you've got three to five years. It's, it's a gold mine. If you have a truck, how do you approach it in a way that, uh, that balances risk and volatility? Yeah, no, I think, you know, so really at the end of the day, you know, the, the recommendations for shippers and, and carriers is, is really the same, right? Really focus on those relationships, uh, understand, you know, which, uh, uh, which of those relationships are really built for the long term and are going to be the one that's going to result in win-win, you know, you know, ultimately for, for both parties. I mean, you, you see the same things happening on the shipper side, right? When the pendulum is on their side, you know, there's that that uh, temptation to squeeze carriers, you know, as hard as they can to get, you know, uh, you know, more and more cost reductions. And then, you know, you see the ramifications of that when, cause then when the pendulum swings the other way, you know, carriers, you know, they have a long memory. They knew, you know, who, uh, you know, who beat them up, you know, when, when times were tough for them. And, and then now they're, you know, going to look for, you know, freight, you know, their, their loads elsewhere. Uh, you know, I think the other thing that I'm seeing more and more carriers do is I think to your point, related to that is, you know, putting together shipper scorecards, right? Almost like shippers put carrier scorecards together, it's putting shipper scorecards together, saying, you know, which shippers really, you know, get our trucks in and out quickly, pay us on time, you know, all these other, you know, factors, and, and they're making their business decisions, you know, accordingly uh, to, to make sure that they're in, you know, uh, you know strong, have a strong business foundation so that they can, uh, you know, uh, continue to succeed even when the pendulum swings in, in the other direction. Um, so, so I know you don't have a crystal ball, but uh, you know, how long do you see this inversion happening or, or these trends continuing? Yeah. So, it, you know, if you're like me, you're probably, you're Googling that, uh, you know, spot market inversion or stuff to that degree. And, and technically in February it's shifted back. So, so is the right answer to delete this episode? No, I would say actually the ramifications of this are going to last for a while. And here's why. So let's assume that uh, the broker to carrier and contract to carrier uh, rates are the same. Well, again, you're, you're forgetting about that margin there that's going to the broker. Now, brokers, transportation management products certainly have, serve a purpose there. There's some value uh, for your business. Again, it just depends what your business model is. And I would say, again, now is going to be a really good time for the foreseeable future. Let's just say for the next year or two to take a hard look and say, where does it make sense to, to lock in dedicated contract carriage within our network? Um, if, the, if the volume, if the consistent volumes and patterns are there, it's a slam dunk. Um, sure, you may be able to save a few pennies through some, some Excel analysis and, and, uh, uh, to, and say, you know, it makes sense to go to the spot market based on projections from yesterday, but do you want to make your life easy dealing with um, with all the quality issues that are associated with dealing with spot market carriers that you, you, you don't know from, uh, from day to day. So there's, there's that piece. Uh, and in my, my life, I, I want it to be as easy as possible, know who I'm working with. So 
you know, to answer the question, the inversion, even though technically it shifted back, I would take a look at, you know, the March results, which will come out here in a few days. Um, I think the end of first quarter is going to be really interesting. You know, February, there was a temporary relief. And that's why I go back to there was, there was a little bit of a sigh of relief and, and a school of thought that, oh, this is past, this is done. And I'd say February is the slowest month, yet based on all these other metrics across the industry, if utilization is this high, imagine what it's going to be like in June and July. Um, so it, I think it's here to stay for a while. Right. Well, you know, I think it was in the Wall Street Journal uh, just last week. You know, there was a uh, article around, um, you know, General Mills and, and Cheerios, you know, makers of Cheerios. I think that Cheerios was in the headline somewhere. But, you know, they, they reported their financials and, you know, they were talking about how their, uh, you know, freight costs are impacting you know, profitability. And, and I think it was the CEO, the CFO, you know, said that th their uh, costs are at, you know, levels that they haven't seen in, in, in many, many years. Uh, so, you know, you, you're beginning to, when you start hearing CEOs and CFOs, you know, point to freight costs uh, as a uh, uh, something that's challenging uh, their ability to meet uh, profit projections, you know, that, you know, this is a, a unique environment uh, or, you know, that it's something that has to be, uh, you know, paid attention to. Um, you know, we, we touched upon this a little bit, but, you know, like we said, you know, this market is, you know, cyclical, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, a few months from now or a few years from now, ultimately the pendulum will, you know, will swing in the other direction. I mean, what are some, you know, actions that shippers ought to be thinking or doing, you know, from a longer term perspective to, uh, really position themselves to succeed no matter what market conditions, uh, you know, lie ahead. Right. I, you know, the transportation management strategy, I think, is is, is really good for shippers to, to take a look, hard look at their business. What matters? Uh, in so many cases, I'll hear prospective customers say sometimes, I'll say, well, what, what makes your product so special in comparison to this, you know, very similar product. Well, our customers, they get their shipments within two or three days and our speed to market's what, what makes it. But I would question that. I say, does that really, is that really what differentiates your product? And here's why, because the Amazon effect has conditioned us all to think that things are going to magically show up on our doorstep within one to two days of us ordering. And so every consumer, when I'm on my computer, I'm thinking through that same lens. Now, um, <laughs> What, I, what we saw a lot of at the end of last year were there were supply and inventory issues to where there were all these quote-unquote hot shipments that really weren't hot. Um, if, you, if you'd taken a look at your supply and your inventory stores you know, a month or two ahead and planned a little more um, conservatively, then you, you don't get in that pinch where you, you're shipping stuff in a hot scenario and it's not really hot. I think that's where people, uh, especially a lot of shippers, were getting taken advantage of by carriers because carriers, like, let's face it, they have all the leverage in the market right now. So we were seeing some crazy uh, rates being thrown at us when we were brokering or, or managing loads, um, you know, 400-mile journey at four bucks a mile. And you're like, you got to be kidding me. But for a shipper that's in dire straits, that may be their only option. So, you know, I think long-term strategy, uh, what's your inventory strategy? What's your speed to market? Is, you know, six to seven days uh, feasible? Is that okay with your consumers? Are you shipping directly to end consumers? Or are you going through a wholesaler or distributor uh, where that lead time doesn't matter as much? I've got a good friend in the CPG business and uh, we were talking about Walmart's OTIF at 
And look, if he misses that, that one day, that's his margin for his load on that truck. So I think strategizing around the true constraints of your business, um, you're right, Adrian, like this is a long-term game. Take a look at that. Then, then manage your transportation around all those constraints. Yeah. So I guess to, to paraphrase a, a little bit there, you know, it seems to me that, you know, from a longer term perspective, I think this is a good opportunity to kind of take a step back and really look at number one, your, your, your distribution and transportation network, right? Is it, uh, is, is the, your current model and design aligned with kind of the current market conditions and what your expectation, customer expectations are, or where they're going to be over the next few years. And might, this might be an opportunity to start making, you know, some, some changes to the way you flow product, to the way, where you keep inventory, how much inventory you keep where, things like, you know, uh, uh, order frequent, working with customers and, and, and suppliers with order frequency, order sizes. I mean, it's such a, such a large question that ultimately has an impact on transportation, but I think if you think about it more holistically from through that bigger picture lens, I think there might be opportunities from a longer term basis, um, you know, to really right the ship and align yourself better to, you know, where where the future, um, you know, is is pointing toward. Well, I was going to say, you know, those are the and the answers to those questions will really lead you to your strategy because if if your business really does depend on your product being at the consumer's doorstep in two or three days um, from a location 500 miles away, well then maybe a dedicated fleet makes sense because you've got drivers on hand, you can send them and you're not paying those hot spot market rates. Uh, So I think those high level questions, those answers then lead to your strategy. Yep. Well, Andrew, uh, you know, we're running short on time here, so I'm just going to go right to my last question. I mean, as a way to wrap up, if if I'm a transportation or, or supply chain executive and, um, I mean, what, what should I be communicating to my CFO or CEO of, you know, what to expect in terms of, you know, capacity and rates in the, in the months and weeks ahead? Yeah, it's a tough message because no one wants to go to their CEO and CFO and say, hey, the rates are going to be rising, so, you know, sorry. So, you know, the best way, I think, to go about it is to, to budget um, in, in a conservative manner taking into account that transportation costs are predicted again to rise either in the mid single digits up some are saying even 10% this year. Um, if you look at metrics like that's spot rate board year over year, you're, you're seeing things in the uh, mid 20% range. And so you can't get away from that message that the dynamics of the industry is shifting things. Prices are increasing. How you deal with it is the, is probably the counter message. So uh, to go back to your last point, things like strat overall strategy. How does our transportation work within the, the realm of our business? Um, and, and it's, it's focus. So I think you've got to go down those roads. There's so many conversations that can be had through there, but, uh, but yeah, you've got to be the bearer of bad news. Sorry. Uh, but then you can put the, put a plan together to mitigate some of those cost increases as well as, um, lower your risk. Yeah, no, all, all good points. I mean, I think the key takeaway and what I hear from a lot of uh, you know, transportation and logistics executives is that it's important to have those ongoing conversations with senior management, senior leadership uh, in terms of what's happening in the market and keeping them informed. Because at the end of the day, you know, it's better to you know, continually educate you know, the, the leaders in terms of even if the, if the news is quote unquote bad news, but at least they're being informed along the way as opposed to getting hit with you know, unexpectedly you, you know, with uh, 
you know, some huge increase or something like that, just because they were caught off guard or, or really weren't in tune with what was happening in, in the market. So, you know, ongoing communication education is certainly a, a critical or, or, or a leading practice that I see among, you know, a lot of shippers. Well, Andrew, you know, like I always say at the end of all our episodes, you know, we always just manage to scratch the surface of these topics. And this is certainly a hot and continuing a hot topic and one that's going to continue to evolve in the weeks and months ahead. But I appreciate you making the time to uh, be with us today and sharing your insights and perspective and advice on what's happening in the transportation market. Absolutely. Appreciate what you do again, Adrian. And uh, it's, it's so refreshing to have you know, a good source of education and some information with, with what you provide. And uh, thank you for having me on. Great. Well, again, thank, thank you for being on. And maybe you and I can, uh, you know, find each other at a, at a road race at some point. And uh, I'm sure you'll, you'll crush me, but maybe I'll, I'll be able to ride with you for the first, you know, mile or two and then, uh, you know, be on my way. Yeah, I was about to say, you know, I think it's about time to ride, Adrian. So there, there you go. There you go. You know, it's a little bit cool here and uh, it's still a little bit cold out here. I'm a, more of a fair weather kind of rider, but hopefully in the next week or two, I'll uh, be able to hit the road myself. I'm currently in the basement with my bike these days. So. But again, thank you for joining us. Uh, those of you that are watching this episode uh, on demand, uh, either on the uh, Kenco website or on the Talking Logistics website. And if you've got a question or comment for Andrew, uh, you can post it there and I'm sure he'll be more than happy to respond via that medium. Again, thank you all for joining us and look forward to seeing you in a future episode of Talking Logistics. Have a great day.